Welcome to the Good You Can Do podcast, where we share tips and strategies to help you reduce waste, live a healthier life, and protect the planet for future generations. My name is Andrew Duncan, and you can find out more about this project at our website, goodyoucando.com. This week, I'm going to start off with a few announcements. The first one I'd like to share is that Uh, Well, some of you may remember that back in episode 31, I told a story about how I did a uh, a course called the Earth Workers Program last year and and how that was a real life-changing experience for me. And so I wanted to let you know that uh, they are running a, another Earthworkers course. This is the For the Love of Bees Charitable Trust. Runs a course called Earthworkers. And that is on the 16th to the 20th of May in Auckland. Uh, runs from 8.30 till 4 each day. I completed it last year in Wellington. And yeah, I, I can't stress enough how much I enjoyed it. I really feel like it's worthwhile whether you're a avid home gardener, a, uh, a market gardener, a farmer or someone who just wants to learn how we can all live a little bit more sustainably. I think it's really inspiring knowledge. And uh, if you're passionate about climate, the environment, even if you don't grow any vegetables yourself, I would suggest being open to going along. The knowledge is super powerful. And if nothing else, can just give you a whole lot of hope that there are some wonderful people working on cool solutions out there. Uh, So check it out. If you're wondering, uh, you know, I'm not sure if that course is for me, uh, you can uh, come along to a Q&A, a question and answer session on April 21st. That's at 12.30. It's a Facebook, it's an online event. So I'll put a link to the Facebook event in the show notes. And the course itself was on the 16th to the 20th of May. So you can come to the Q&A just to hear about what the course will be focused on and you can ask questions to find out whether it might suit you and the course itself is on uh, the 16th through 20th of May in Auckland. You can also read more about all this at the For the Love of Bees website which is fortheloveofbees.co.nz. Next up, I'd also like to just give a shout out to Mark Spencer uh, from Climactic. Uh, He so kindly invited us to be part of the Climactic Network, which is the network for the climate change podcast community. And we're super excited to to be on this journey with Mark and and be be there with all the other wonderful shows that are that are featured. You can learn more about this project at climactic c l i m a c t i c dot fm. There are some incredible shows that I'd recommend subscribing to with lots of powerful, uplifting information on the climate crisis. Uh, so go along and and have a look there. Uh, and there's also the climactic show itself, which you can search for in uh, wh- wherever you like listening to podcasts. Mark does a wonderful job of sharing different stories and really providing a mix of kind of different subjects each week. So it's a fun one to follow uh, if you're interested in the space, and I definitely recommend it. Number three is that we now have an Instagram handle, an Instagram account. Uh, you can follow us at Good You Can Do. And it's a great place to send us feedback if you've got uh, feedback on the show uh, and get some visual representation of of what we do and, and what we're learning. Next up is just an announcement about this episode itself today. So many of you will remember some of the previous episodes I've done where I've had Jamie here from Carbon Critical come and talk on donating to fight the climate crisis and another one we did about how 
trees or the role of trees in combating the climate crisis. And following those, uh, I've actually become a co-director with Jamie of Carbon Critical. And uh, we just found that our values are super aligned and, and we really enjoy working together. And I've come on board to really help him promote the Net Zero Fund, which is a uh, which is our essentially climate change charity which disperses donations to the most effective climate change organizations all over the world uh, which has attracted over two hundred and thirty thousand dollars in donations so far super excited to announce and uh, so i'm really keen to help jamie further that work and also launch other initiatives in the climate change space so uh, watch out for some cool stuff coming soon on that note, we've been getting uh, really into uh, the world of trees and forestry and the ETS just because we see trees as such an important part of, of our path to net zero. And that's what this particular episode that you're about to listen to is all about. So uh, the government, unbeknownst to many, is about to institute what will be a really important change to the way the emissions trading scheme in New Zealand works. They are proposing to ban uh, permanent exotic forests from registering in the ETS. It might sound like a small thing, uh, but it's through our research we've discovered that this is potentially going to have a a huge impact on our chances of reaching net zero. Um, One of the things that's not well known is New Zealand's actually ranks very poorly on emissions reductions. So out of the uh, UN's 45 industrialized Annex 1 countries, we actually rank 42 out of 45 of those countries for emissions reductions. ClimateActionTracker.org has given New Zealand the positively unattractive rating of highly inefficient on climate actions. Uh, On the world scale, we're doing incredibly poorly. And if we are to have any chance of reaching net zero by 2050 and fulfilling our international obligations, it's going to take some serious work. It also seems fairly obvious that trees and forestry are going to be part of the solution to get us there. And so even if you don't have a lot of forestry kind of knowledge or background, I'd still encourage you to check it out and have a listen because this upcoming change, which they're taking submissions on now, is I think going to be really important for all of us moving forward. One last thing, the when I recorded this chat with Jamie, Uh, I did the uh, really regretful thing of forgetting to turn my really good mic on. Uh, So the audio on my part is pretty average. So I apologize for that. Thankfully, I don't do most of the talking, so you don't have to listen to it too much. And you can still hear what I'm saying. It just sounds a bit lame. So please enjoy the show. And thanks so much for listening. Jamie, thank you so much for taking a bit of time out to talk about forestry today. Uh, There's a really big change happening in this space right now can you tell us tell us what's going on so a couple of weeks ago the government announced that they're considering making some revisions to the emissions trading scheme that will prohibit exotic tree species uh, from entering into the new permanent forest category in the uh, in the ets and the emissions trading scheme uh, which is due to commence uh, beginning of next year what, what's the cause behind doing that do you think various reasons, but uh, there's a lot of concern around pine trees in New Zealand. Uh, Lots of people don't like pine. Uh, They associate it with a number of uh, economic, social, environmental problems. Some of the reasons they don't like it are it is an invasive species. It spreads easily across the countryside. It's considered to be at greater risk of fire than indigenous um, forests and, and landscapes. 
And uh, there are a lot of concerns around the harvesting methods that are typically employed with pine trees, um, especially clear fell um, harvesting and some of the known problems that have happened in the past where big piles of slash have washed down hillsides um, into rivers, causing um, ecological problems in rivers or even into buildings and settlements. So there's a general feeling, a dislike for pine, uh, and unfortunately, uh, that is now starting to influence uh, what's happening in the emissions trading scheme, perhaps not for the, in the best interest of the country, I think, in our long-term interest. Oh, this concern around a lot of people buying up land to plant pine forests, right, and get into the kind of carbon forestry business, and there's been a big push of publicity to try and find ways to limit that and to increase the amount of native uh, tree planting instead. And that seems to have had a sway on the government at this stage to bring about this change, right? Yeah, exactly. There has been a, a green rush recently. Um, lots of people have got excited about carbon forestry using pine trees. Uh, and so we've seen rural land prices in New Zealand have risen uh, quite substantially in the last year or two. Uh, and the government, I think, is starting to get a bit worried that this is getting a bit out of control. Uh, and they're particularly worried that in the future, maybe in 40 or 50 years from now, with all the carbon credits collected, that some of the people that are rushing into this area will just walk away from those forests at a stage where they need to be maintained and managed in order to continue keeping carbon out of the atmosphere, which is a legitimate concern that does need to be tackled. All these things have come together, along with, in general, there are a lot of people in New Zealand, conservationists in particular, that would like to see more biodiversity in New Zealand. Uh, that, that's a separate crisis that we need to tackle. And so there's a, um, a, a general preference for planting natives uh, or regenerating landscapes uh, naturally, but the uh, economics for doing so are, are quite challenging. Um, and that's why with all the best intentions, this, um, this blanket ban uh, on exotic tree species, if it goes ahead, uh, we might find that it doesn't actually achieve any of the outcomes that anyone wanted. Yeah, and it it's, seems pretty clear to you and I that the kind of voice for the planet, the voice for fighting the climate crisis seems to be somewhat lost in this debate. And, and so the question we're asking is, how does this potential change affect our chances of reaching net zero by 2050? And from our research and understanding it, it, it plays a massive role. It's going to have a, a huge impact, but that's very much flying under the radar here. It seems it's just uh, seems to have boiled down to this black and white debate between pine trees and which have now been lumped with you know exotic tree species, which covers redwoods, eucalypts. Uh, they've all been lumped together in this fight against native trees, <laughs> and and that's that kind of reductionist. The reductionism of the argument seems like a real failure here. Absolutely. I, I think at this point in time, we, we need to be really pragmatic about where we are right now in our effort to reach net zero in New Zealand. Uh, we, we actually, most people don't realise this, but we're one of the worst developed countries, one of the worst countries in the OECD. With our progress so far in reducing emissions uh, and our commitments and public um, statements and targets, um, around emissions reduction. Uh, we're doing really badly in New Zealand. We're not holding up well. Uh, we've been slow to join the party and now we're going to have a really hard time meeting our, our targets and, uh, and achieving the, the, the large gross emissions reductions that we absolutely have to do. Uh, on the flip side, we have this extraordinary advantage that most countries don't, that exotic tree species here grow really well. We, we can grow trees 
um, and remove carbon from the air. And that might be our get out of jail card if we use it wisely, while of course needing to be conscious of all the potential problems around that and make sure that we uh, we, we do things in a smart way that doesn't create problems in the future or unproductive land and so on. It's almost like once you say, once you set this goal public of, you know, we're going to reach net zero by 2050, there's almost a public perception that, all right, that's, that's just going to happen. That's a given. Whereas there's actually a heck of a lot of change that needs to happen to get us within any decent chance of hitting that. And, and certainly it, it would seem from the Climate Change Commission's uh, reports that if we have any chance of reaching net zero by 2050, it's it's going to be in large part because trees help us get there. And what this change is kind of akin to is, yeah, somewhat going into a fight with one hand behind your back. You know, we're proposing to take away one of the best tools we've got to help us reach that net zero mark. And that seems like something that, that more people need to be aware of. Yeah, that's right. The, the Climate Change Commission um, have done some really great research and great reporting analysis in this whole area. And they've made all their recommendations very clear in their in their report um, that they released last year. But of course, most people have not read that 300-page report, however many pages it is, and they're not aware of everything in there. But buried somewhere in, in those reports, you can find this graph. Uh, and it talks about tree planting that's happened over the last few decades, how many extra hectares we've planted over the last few decades, um, and then what we need to do in the future. And on that graph, you can see a very clear sudden jump. Uh, there, there's no doubt, I think, from the Climate Change Commission advice, we, we need to plant a, a whole heap more um, pine forests. Uh, and they've also advocated for establishing a lot more native forests and improving indigenous forestry in New Zealand as well. But it seems that that, that quite well-reasoned, uh, measured advice from the Climate Change Commission is not really filtering down far um, through the debate. Uh, and there are lots of commentators that um, are, are kind of taking these quite extreme positions. Um, it's becoming a very polarised debate. Uh, and uh, some of the um, the reactions, uh, like a, a, an exotic ban, it's kind of a heavy-handed solution, really, to, to say, okay, there's problems with that, so we'll just ban it entirely. Um, it, it feels like we could be being a bit smarter and a, a bit more pragmatic uh, about how we go about this. Pragmatic is the word, right? And uh, there have been some really strong opinions on this change, and, and we can certainly link to uh, some of those articles that have been published in the show notes. Uh, but what I really love is, is that in response to this, you've put together this amazing web tool, which provides a way for anyone to get a picture of what these trade-offs mean and how that affects us long-term. And you've been able to boil down some really uh, complicated systems with lots of variables down into a kind of one-page place where people can try and get a picture of, of what's going on. And so part of the goal today is to encourage people to go and check that out. You can find it at the website, the web address, net-zero.net-zero.nz net-zero.nz. Jamie, why don't you tell us a little bit about this web tool and kind of what, what brought you to, to create that uh, and what you're hoping to achieve with it? Well, the inspiration really was just seeing how little evidence-based um, reasoning is happening in this uh, debate at the moment. And to try and insert just a little bit of science um, into you know, these discussions um, and let people really just have a play and uh, find out what will happen depending on how we use our rural land um, here in New Zealand. Uh, for a little bit of context, um, the uh, forestry minister uh, minister in New Zealand, uh, Stuart Nash, has said that we have 
about 1.4 million hectares of land um, in New Zealand that's really marginal and really needs to be covered in trees to prevent it from erosion. Uh, and then on, in addition to that, about another 1.4 uh, million hectares of land that's um, steep hill country that is well suited for uh, afforestation. Uh, so we'll, all in all, we've got almost 3 million um, hectares of land in the countryside. And all this debate is revolving around what should happen with those 3 million hectares. And the choices are we can put production forests on there, uh, pine forests that are harvested for um, timber, or we can establish permanent carbon forests, uh, which could be either exotic or native or potentially a mix. Or we can just leave the countryside to naturally regenerate and revert to native bush um, over a long period of time. And so the, the only question really is, well, how much of each of those four things uh, should we do? It's about how much of those each of those things we should incentivize, right? Because that land is mostly privately owned by farmers who might be running sheep on it or, or running any sorts of farming operation. And, and so the question is, how do you best incentivize that land to be planted with more trees? And at what incentives are likely to actually lead to that action, right? Yes. It's all good to ban exotic permanent forestry, which might be a very viable option for some of these hard to reach pockets of land which are erosion prone. And it's all good to ban that and say, we should just let that naturally regenerate into native bush. But the question is whether that's actually going to happen. Exactly. Um, landowners are motivated by future returns, um, return on investment, and planting trees is expensive, uh, especially native uh, trees. For pine trees, you can establish a hectare of pine for forest for maybe $1,500 for a hectare of native trees, the typical prices are twenty to $30,000. So it's more than an order of magnitude more expensive. Uh, and the returns tend to be, the carbon returns tend to be a lot lower and more protracted. So the economics are challenging and we'll need massive government subsidies, I think, to, to make it viable at any, any kind of scale. Uh, and it's not clear where that money will come from. The beautiful thing about your web tool, though, is that it allows you to kind of sh see in some ways, what those different land uses might do for farmers, um, but it also allows you to see what impact those land use changes might have for New Zealand based on using some mix of that 2.8 million hectares uh, of largely mostly private land um, that, that might be well suited to planting trees and what type of planting that, that could potentially go into. Yeah, exactly. If you use tool, try out the uh, the dashboard on online. Um, you can slide around the. There's four sliders that you can play with the, to adjust these allocations of land. And yeah, you can you can see what difference that will make in terms of the first date that we might reach net zero emissions in New Zealand. Uh, the government's committed to doing it before 2050. You can see uh, how much carbon we might need to buy from another country to offset our emissions. Um, if we don't reduce them quickly enough, um, or how much opportunity there could be for us to export carbon, which is a um, now a possibility following COP26 and some of the planned changes that were discussed there. And you can see yet landowner returns and also biodiversity uh, increase for any new planting scheme. Um, so we try to capture the the kind of at a very top level in a very general way the different components of the solution um, or the different kind of outcomes and try to explain how that might relate to what farmers or foresters or landowners um, choose to do in New Zealand and whether or not we achieve our long-term goals. It's such an important point that you mentioned in there, and that also seems to be lost in this debate, is if the decisions we make now 
affect our chances of reaching net zero by 2050 and we have a, a surplus of, of, um, of carbon emissions, we're going to need to offset that as a country. We're going to need to pay for carbon credits offshore to, to cancel that out. And that could be a ridiculously expensive proposition for us as a country. And that seems to not be largely focused on in this debate as well. So I really like how you've brought that to the fore somewhat for people to see, again, that as part of this, this trade-off. Yeah, absolutely. It does seem a bit crazy to pay another country to do something that we can probably do more effectively here with the resources that, that we have. So well put. What are you what are you hoping will happen as a result of people seeing this uh web tool and, and just as a result of creating it? What's your what's your dream for, for where this would go? The dream would be to insert or inject a bit more evidence-based reasoning, um, some more numbers and science and mathematics um, into our decision-making at whatever level, whether that's people talking about it down the pub or at the highest levels of government. The government has opened up a public consultation for feedback uh, on these new proposals to ban exotic forestry. And so we're concerned about the consequences of, of what that will mean for New Zealand. And we hope that by using the dashboard, anyone can gain a, some understanding of, of what's at stake here and uh, and the likely consequences of, of different courses of action. And then uh, we encourage people to, to submit whatever you think. Uh, the, the government is open to receiving um, proposals or feedback, and uh, they have a, a portal which we can probably share that you can just go along and you can prepare your own submission and it can be as long or as short as you like, just providing feedback on whatever points you think need to be made. And of course, we encourage you to reference our dashboard and, and use the numbers and um, you know the stats that, that come from that um, to support that application. And, and please share it with your friends. And and I know when you talk about submissions, people's eyes glaze over and it's it's not exactly the most fulfilling use of, <laughs> of time or, or energy increasing use of time, but I'd strongly encourage everybody who's listening to to get online and put a submission in even if it's super short on this very topic because this has a potentially massive impact on our chances of reaching net zero by 2050 and fulfilling our international obligations the closing date for submissions on this particular conversation is the 22nd of april 2022 i'll put a link to the page where you can have your say and i'd also suggest to you that even if you've missed that deadline and you're listening to this after the 22nd of April, still please go ahead and, and get in touch with Ministry for Primary Industries and I'll put their email in the show notes too because this conversation is ongoing. They've said that even after this consultation, there's going to be more decisions that come down the track. Like, will they allow redwood trees, for instance, to be an exemption, which is one that certainly Jamie and I would like to see if they went ahead with this exotic ban. Uh, so there's lots of ongoing discussion that's going to happen in this space. So yeah, I, I would suggest to people, please have your say definitely before the 22nd of April if possible. But if after that, I don't think it's a waste of time to get in touch with the industry and, and uh, sorry, with the ministry and let them know what you think. Well said. Thanks, Andrew. Awesome. Anything you'd like to add before we before we sign off, Jamie? Just the redwoods are fantastic, and uh, yeah, we we are we're not big fans of pine trees here. We're, you know, ninety percent of New Zealand forestry is pine trees, and we think we should be diversifying and looking for more sustainable um, carbon forestry approaches. But at the same time, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater, and let's get to that point and make sure we manage these carbon forests effectively without trashing our chances of, uh, of you know, reaching net zero and doing what we need to in New Zealand to fulfil our obligations in preventing future climate disaster. 
yeah, it seems like a painting with a really big brush to just ban all exotics, right? When there are exotic species that are non-invasive that don't come with a lot of the problems that pine trees do that we could be using to help us reach our net zero goals like redwoods, like eucalyptus trees. So, so many cool options in there that are potentially just getting thrown out, like you say, <laughs> thrown out with the bathwater and, and potentially taking some of the very best tools out of the tool shed. Yeah, exactly. I, I know we're supposed to be wrapping up, but um, one really important thing I, I think we should mention is we can come out of this really well as a country. Uh, we can actually turn this from a massive problem into an opportunity for New Zealand by making smart choices. We we can fulfil our environmental planetary obligations while also making you know a, a great um, return on investment on on rural land. Oh, so much so, and I encourage people when they're playing with the web tool just to see what happens when you add. 500,000 hectares of permanent exotic forestry and just see what that does to change the outcomes for New Zealand. It's quite compelling uh, and eye-opening. And and Jamie, thank you so much for creating this tool. Super excited to get this out there and tell people all about it. Cool. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends and check out our previous episodes for lots of other cool info like this and head along to our website goodyoucando.com to subscribe to future updates.